Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, we are talking all things physical therapy with a real-life physical therapist. My guest today is Maria Osowski, who I met in Wausau, Wisconsin, when I went up there for the Red Granite Grinder. Uh, she's actually been on the podcast before, uh, episode 131, whenever we did a recap of that race. She was the winner of the 144-mile version of the Red Granite Grinder, and during that episode, I found out she was a physical therapist, and my podcasting senses started to tingle, and many months later, Maria joins us again, this time talking about how to keep yourself out of the physical therapist office. Maria is a lifelong athlete. She has done many different disciplines of athletics, and I thought she would be the perfect guest to really work us through many things, how to prevent injury, how to have a endurance body, how to maintain a level of overall fitness, and what to do if you do get injured or how to um, even prevent injury on endurance efforts, long bikepacking trips, whatever it may be. Um, and uh, we talk about when you should consider seeing a physical therapist. So I don't know about you, but for me, being injured is one of the most difficult things to deal with. There's nothing that I want more than to be active, to be outdoors, and to be using my body. And when things hurt, it's less fun. And so I personally found this episode to be very informative and helpful. We actually recorded this one a little over a month ago. I've already started to put into practice a lot of the things that we talked about in today's episode, and I can vouch for their efficacy. Uh, I've already noticed improvements, and uh, maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about that after the show. Uh, but for now, let's get into it. One Note about this episode is this episode is also available in video format over at YouTube. Of course, you can find a link for that at bikesordeath.com. The format of today's episode is that she and I chat through a bunch of different uh, topics, and then at the end, um, she demonstrates how to do some of the stretches and stuff that we discuss uh, during the episode. So there is a component of this that would probably benefit from watching, and what I've done is put that available on the episode page at bikesordeath.com. Um, so if you just want to watch the section where she takes us through some demonstrations, I'm going to have that edited out so you can watch just that section. And uh, I really hope with this episode that it's something that you can come back to many times and it will help you ride your bike longer, further, and maybe even faster. Who knows? All right, well, let's get into today's episode. Uh, but first, let's take a moment to thank the people that made today's episode possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. This week, we would like to thank John Rice, Christopher Troop, and Ryan O'Dell for signing up to be sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast. It really does take a village, and we can't do it without your help. If you enjoy these episodes and you would like to help me produce them, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. 
As I mentioned in last week's episode, Bikes or Death has become my full-time job. And if you've been on the fence wondering when is the best time to sign up to be a patron, it might be now. And that's it. No ads on today's episode. Let's make it quick, easy, and get straight into my chat with Maria. But first, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're doing something new today. Uh, for the first time ever, we're going to be diving into the topic of how to keep yourself out of physical therapy with an expert, uh, Maria here, who's uh, joining us, who is actually a physical therapist, because I am not. I've got <laughs> aches and pains, though, and I've been in pain before, so I, I know that side of it. Uh, but Maria, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate you uh, being willing to uh, yeah, share with the audience and share some of your expertise in uh, the world of physical therapy and, and also athletics. Yeah, you're welcome. It's fun to be here. Uh, so before we get into uh, the topic at hand, uh, let's get to know you a little bit better and just kind of get into your background, um, because I know... Actually, for anyone, uh, they may have listened to your episode. You were on the podcast previously whenever we did the Red Granite Grinder episode, the recap. So yeah. you were the 144 women's first place uh, finalist or finisher. And um, I learned that you've had a long history in sports. And so do you want to kind of uh, give a recap of your some of your uh, personal experience in athletics? Um, sure. I just, I guess I always grew up riding bicycles. Um, my dad taught. So in the summer we were all home and we went everywhere on our bikes. I, we hardly ever got in the car. Um, so it was grocery store, the library, it was just kind of our mode of transportation. Um, and so I just always enjoyed it, enjoyed being out on backcountry roads, no cars, no people. Um, so it was always great to, um, to do that. Anyway, so just love riding. And um, since I've moved back home after college, you know, it's really fun to get out on these roads that we used to ride as kids and, you know, um, just and explore new ones. So I um, had always ridden my bike. I got into triathlons when I was in college, did pretty well there. Um, never considered myself a great runner, although people tell me I'm a good runner. So I just run kind of because I have to sometimes. Um, <laughs> but then um, my, well, my uh, former spouse was a racer, had always raced um, bicycles on the road, on the mountain. So I got into racing. Um, and now it's kind of the only way I know how to ride in a sense. So it's a little bit of a crossroads now. It's like, because I love racing and I've done really well in the last couple of years. Well, at least considering I have two kids and a full-time job, I think I do well. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so it's like, okay, well, do I keep racing? Um, but we're going to take some bike, a bike packing trip this summer, which will be my first like official, like, Oh, got to carry everything on my bike. I've backpacked. 
um, and done that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, racing and getting more into endurance riding, um, yeah. things like that did the iron bowl, um, you know, ride fat bikes, ride gravel bikes, mountain bikes, all of it. And, and you did the Berkey recently. Yeah, we skied the Berkey again, um, did the classic Berkey the last couple of years. I finished my 12th Berkey this year. So um, that's a lot of skiing. So we had a rough snow winter, um, but which is always disappointing. So I was a little less enthused with my finish this year as I was last year, but I still did very well and have an opportunity to ski out of the elite wave again. So that's always a good feeling. Um, yeah. yeah. And then we had fat bike Berkey two weeks later and I was able to, uh, win that one again this year. So that's two years in a row. So yeah. I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I had another really great day riding some fast snow. So it's always fun. What's what's what was your average speed? Do you uh, remember? Because you're talking for, over, to a guy in Texas, right? Yeah, oh, it was wow. over. Yeah. So I mean the top guys did it and you know, I wasn't too far behind them, but I had a good five minute gap on um Sonia and she's an awesome rider and you know, almost nine minutes on third place. So I I had a good ride. That's and only amazing. crashed once. <laughs> how many <laughs> how many miles is that is that one? Um it's a 40k so about 28 miles and it's all on the yeah. Berkey trail. So um you know it's a the benefit for me is I love that trail. You know I ski it or ride it in the Schwamigan, we ride the ride mountain bikes it right mountain bikes on it all year, you know and you ski it and when you know those corners and you know the rise and the fall it um it gets, uh, it's, it's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't even realize you could average that high on fat bikes. Um, well, when it's groomed, when it's double track and they groom that trail for skiing all winter and it's rock fast. I mean, those you fly, I mean, yeah. you just, you just do. Cause it's like riding on pavement and there's no bumps. There's there are a few soft spots, but, um, yeah, it's like brand new road. It's awesome. I'm excited so. to hear that you're going to be uh, taking on bike packing. Uh, I'm yeah. not surprised because like, <laughs> as we just heard, and as I learned on the last episode, you, you, you have a wide range of like interest and especially like in athletics, I mean, you kind of do and have done it all. And so, you know, again, when I met you, you had, you had won the 144 mile, which is a, a pretty good distance. Uh, so I bet you're going to be well suited for bike packing long days on the saddle hey. and all that. I think so. And I think from an endurance standpoint, it's really good. Um, I actually think my dad used to do some of it when he was in college because he had like all the gear, the panniers. And I recently asked him like, dad, do you have that bag that used to be on the front of your bike? He goes, I don't know what happened to that. And I was like, oh, oh shoot, <laughs> that would have been oh, awesome. Man. <laughs> you know, you original bike packing gear from like 1973. Yeah, right, I right. <laughs> I, lo I love that you're saying that because what we're doing is not new. This stuff has been around and people have been doing it a long time. So yeah. uh, we might be reinventing the wheel here a little bit, but we've been doing it a long time. Well, yeah. cool. So let's uh, let's transition into your backpack, uh, uh, your your background in uh, physical therapy. When did you get into it, and and what is uh, your area of expertise, and anything you want to share yeah. about that? Um, well, I mean, I always wanted to do athletic training because I wanted to work with athletes um, and young people, and then I met a physical therapist and decided, yeah, I think that's more of where I where I want to go and not just be, I mean, athletic trainers do phenomenal things, but they work a lot of nights and weekends and I really didn't want to. So, um, I, uh, decided to go into physical therapy. And so, um, I've been out 
since 2008 because getting old. Um, and uh, I work, have worked in outpatient orthopedics since that time, um, specializing in, we do a lot of post-surgical care, but just general pain um, and prefer to treat, you know, obviously extremities, neck and back are not my favorites, but we teach a, we get a pretty general population at our clinic. So do you, do you happen to see many like athletes coming in for, um, yeah, prolonged injuries, uh, overuse injuries, that kind of stuff? Yeah, we do. I mean, and some of it's just, you know, well, I had this and now I have this and, um, you know, I we see sometimes some of the, a lot of those compounding things and we have to, you know, find imbalances. We see a lot of people that are just, it's just hurt for a while. And we do see a lot of, um, older individuals, you know, Medicare age and things like that. But, um, yeah, just the general population of, I, I want to run, I've always run, but now it hurts to run, or I've, I've always, I want to ride my bike. And so, you know, other interests that I have, um, is working through my running certification to be able to offer that to our area, as well as I'm hoping to go to a bike fit course, um, because one of the only shops that does it is in point. Um, and you know, we have to obviously pair with a shop, uh, but it would be nice to be able to take that portion of our, our rehab and look at what people are like, well, I want to be able to ride my bike. Okay. Well, let's figure out why maybe it's your bike. It's not your body or things like that to be able to add that to our repertoire, as well as one of my coworkers does golf assessments and one of them does some hockey stuff. So try to yeah. keep our, our clinic and our staff, um, well balanced and engaged because yeah. treating total joints all the time is not fun. <laughs> and specialize, you know, all those, yeah. yeah Cause all those are going to have different movements and, mm-hmm. and different implement, you know, like I played tennis growing up. So you have tennis elbow that you'll, mm-hmm. you might get and stuff. Yeah. So like having a specialist there and, um, that was actually one of the things I was curious about is I know you're not a, well, I, I didn't know this, but I thought you weren't a bike fitter. Um, but I'm, I'm curious how, you know, bike fitting could possibly resolve some of these issues. And, um, I, I don't know. Do you have any experience with that where you've, have you ever referred someone to a bike fitter or have you ever seen? Yeah, I have. I've had myself fit on my bikes, um, just kind of from an efficiency standpoint. Sometimes we see more people who are like, well, I have this bike and my knees don't bend the way they want to. So, you know, or I, I can't lean over as far on my bike. Um, you know, so some of it is just, you know, um, building it to help people do what they want to do. It's also looking, you know, in the future to be like, what are some other services, you know, cash-based things where maybe somebody's just interested in progressing into triathlons or getting into cycling, you know, and is my bike, how do, how can I make this bike work? You know, I'm always hesitant when people are like, oh, I want to get into that. And it's like, well, how much do you spend? Because we all know we can spend a lot of money on bikes, but <laughs> to start, do we have to, you know, I did have a patient this winter. He was hilarious. We got talking about fat biking. And one day he comes in, he goes, I bought a fat bike and it's your fault. <laughs> but I said, ah, yes. I'm okay with that. I'm glad <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Cardiac so, uh, health, mental health. You just gave him a whole new perspective you know, on life. Yeah. So it's just, I feel like it's um, definitely just kind of not something, I mean, as much, I would love to do it all day, every day, to be honest. Um, but, you know, how can we tie that into what we do? I see a fair number of runners or people who want to get back into running and, or even people I know that ride bikes and run and they're like, oh, when I ride, this happens. And when I do this, it's like, you know, just to have them have a little more of that, that fit knowledge and things like that. And like I said, obviously teaming with 
um, the local shops and things because sometimes you need a new stem or, you know, things like, things like that are helpful. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I hope, uh, maybe you can circle back around and we'll let me know whenever you get that all set up and we'll help, uh, spread the word for you. Cause I mean, that's, that's a, you know, it, it doesn't help you if like you solve one problem and you have another problem over here, you know, it makes a lot more right. sense if, yeah. Uh, if you can solve all the problems at one time and, and move mm-hmm. fr- on from that starting point, essentially. Yeah, because we have a lot of people that love to ride bikes. They just maybe don't ride bikes like I ride bikes. But, you know, I mean, people want to be able to ride five to 10 miles and they get really excited about it. And, you know, and it's always kind of funny when they're like, oh, I rode 10 miles and I've been go doing it three days a week. And well, how far did you ride? And I'm like, uh, I did 50 last night. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, but but everybody has their own victories and their own goals. And so the more I can equip myself to help people keep their active goals, um, you know, and which is a lot of what this podcast is about right now today is, is how do we keep being active? How do we help our bodies as our bodies age? Because frankly, our bodies are aging from the age 23 on, um, you know, so how do we keep them aging? Well, bodies that don't age well are in my clinic all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, keep our bodies happy so we can keep doing the things that we love to do. Right. Yes. Um, so I'm curious, you're an athlete. Um, you're a physical therapist. We're going to be talking about a lot of things that we can do to maintain our bodies. As you said, anecdotally, um, can you speak to your own experience, like with the tools that you have, you know, do, do you, can you notice a difference? Like you have less aches, you have less pains, you recover faster. I don't, I don't know. You seem yeah, like the perfect I, person asked though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely have to practice what I preach. Um, you know, when I was it's a little off subject, but it's really kind of funny when I was growing up and, and to this day, my mom is an adamant, she gets up every morning and she does some dynamic stretches and some static stretches. And she's when I was a kid, well, I got to do my stretches. And we all kind of like, okay, mom, you know, and um, she's like, well, I got to do it. And then I, if I don't do it, I don't have a good day. Well, a few years ago, well, probably almost 10 years ago, I started using my foam roller every morning and mom was right. You feel better. Um, so I really try to stick with that. I'm like, if I'm going to expect people to do things to help them, um, I have to be consistent with mine. I can tell when I get tight, if I skip days, um, you know, uh, I use a lot of foam rolling and stretching and dynamic warmups and stuff before and after my, my bike rides. Cause I'm getting older too. And my body doesn't respond the same as it did 10 years ago. Um, I try to keep up on my strength. That's actually one of my goals for this summer is to be more consistent on a strength program. Mm. I mean, I do it and then we ride and you get busy and things like that. Um, But I've definitely have the the time and the capability um, to be more consistent there. So, you know, the, the benefit of having the background that I do, you know, you, and the resources that I do, it's like, Oh, I'm getting a little sore, you know, like today I'm like, Oh, my knee's a little sore. Well, I've ridden kind of a hundred miles over the last three days and I didn't stretch great that one day or yesterday. So yeah, that's probably why it's a little sore. Sure enough, you stretch, it goes away. So it's definitely a benefit to having that, to keeping me riding and understanding my recovery and just being in tune with my body. Yeah. Well, cool. 
I think that's a good segue. I think let's get into the some of the meat and potatoes of today's topic. Uh, but before we do, just for the listener, uh, the format of this show is we're going to be going through and talking about a lot of things that you can do in your daily life, um, some routines that you can get into. Um, and then at the end of the episode, um, a lot of the things that we talk about today, Maria is actually going to do some demonstrations. So this uh, podcast is available as a video uh, format as well. Um, so she's going to be talking through all that stuff, but, um, if you'd like to watch it, I just want everybody to know that that's available and that'll be at the end of the episode. Um, and then Maria, I don't know if this is prudent or not. I've never done an episode like this, but do we need to offer any type of disclaimer? So nobody sues your business or anything like that? Well, maybe we should. Um, I mean, you know, a a lot of the information that I, you know, about the exercises and the stretching and things, I mean, you can, you can find through a Google search. So I'm not presenting anything that's not already kind of out there in the world, but obviously, I mean, people need to, you know, do things within reason. If you know, you've had a surgery and you have a precaution or there's something you're not supposed to do. Well, you need to follow those. My job here isn't to diagnose. It's simply to offer advice, um, and expertise. Um, you know, I mean, nothing is absolute in, well, in life in general. So it's, these are based off of recommendations. Um, Obviously, if you have questions or concerns, if you know a therapist or you're scheduled with a therapist or your physician, you can always ask. Um, These are, again, these are things that I've found clinically, things that I've learned, things personally. Um, And so it's nothing that I'm saying here is a be all end all. And the only way to do things, because there's many different ways to do some of these similar things. So it's simply my advice. And I'd be more than willing to give people my contact information should they decide they have questions or concerns. Oh, cool. Well, we'll put that in the show notes then and a way to get in contact with you if they do. That was an amazing, I feel like you could be, you could have been an attorney. That was a great disclaimer. (laughs) There's no way anyone could sue you. This is just for fun. It doesn't even... Uh, yeah, it's just for fun. It's entertainment. Yes. Um, well, and I don't know entertainment what I'm... and learning, but yes, yeah, nothing that can't be found elsewhere. <laughs> That's true. And I don't know anything, so don't listen to anything I say and no, don't sue me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm just playing the uh, guy that has aches and pains. So, all right. Well, yeah. um, now that we got the legal legal out of the way and my lawyers are happy, just kidding. I don't have a lawyer. Um <laughs> As athletes, and I'm going to use athletes a little bit loosely for today's conversation, and I mean that like anyone who is an athlete to a weekend warrior, I mean, somebody who likes to uh, go ride, go run. I mean, everybody listens to this podcast is going to be go riding, but you know, people that do this kind of stuff, you know, what um, should we or could we be doing to maintain a healthy body and prevent injury? Because that's really the, like you said at the beginning, the whole idea, how do we keep our body health healthy and prevent injury? Um, I think the biggest thing is we, we have to keep moving in healthy ways. Uh, but how do we keep staying active? Um, in the, the American Physical Therapy Association a couple of years ago, their saying of the year, it kind of makes me chuckle, but the saying is motion is lotion. And so if you move and the joints stay lubricated, we keep motion, we feel better. Um, And everybody probably knows at least one individual who as they age moves less, which happens, you know, we get older and it just takes 
as our bodies change, it takes more energy, but as we move less, our joints become stiff and perfectly healthy joints can be stiff. We lose water, we lose fluid in our joints, cartilage, things start to deteriorate. Um, and so when we don't move, then it gets harder to move and our bodies just kind of tighten. Um, I like to think of it as you remember those penny things in the mall where you put a coin in and it's these nice oh. big circles yeah. and it goes around, but once it gets to that bottom, it gets really, really tight. Um, and so it just kind of drops and that's kind of in a sense, the way our bodies kind of work is we move and we move, but as we stop moving, it gets harder to move. So we move less and we move less. And then we're kind of stuck in these positions where people who can't stand up straight because they've sat too long, or we, we fall because we're not able to lift our feet high enough um, to clear our toes when we walk because our calves are too tight. Um, and so movement is, is key and healthy, safe, and that stretching, you know, whether it's dynamic or static, we'll kind of touch base on the difference there is it's making us get out of those repetitive patterns. Um, the other thing to keep in mind too, I mean, cycling is a repetitive pattern and, and some people are like, well, I'm, I'm active and I'm gardening and I'm doing my housework and I'm doing this. And it's like, yes, that's all wonderful activities. You're definitely not a sedentary individual, but we tend to move instill repetitive patterns. You know, if we're, we're working, you know, we're gardening, we're bending over or we're doing yard work, we're bending over. So we're still putting ourselves in those crouched, hunched positions that we have to then open. I teach a lot of people just, you know, how do we, we can't necessarily make huge changes. We have to make conscious changes to our posture, but how do we reverse what we do to ourselves all day? And myself included, I spend a lot of time holding arms or legs and bending forward. I have to take that time at the end of the day and, and just lay on the floor and stretch, um, you know, to keep ourselves moving um, and to keep our joints healthy and balanced. So you touched on it. Um, what are, I mean, some of the different types of stretching. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about the different types of stretching. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, um, three main types of stretching, dynamic stretching, static stretching, and ballistic stretching. I'm going to start out with ballistic stretching and purely because this is not really, or it's not an endorsed form of stretching anymore. It was kind of this, you know, kind of bounce where you're kind of going in and out, you kind of get to the end and then you kind of adding extra force. And it's, it's really not a good, um, way to do any of our things. And there's no reason cyclists really need to perform this. It, it, uh, uses momentum and extra force, and it just can put too much damage to soft tissues and, um, lead to excessive tearing or increased inflammation and actually reduced flexibility, um, you know, over time. So anything where they say, Oh, get down there and then bounce, you know, it was a real thing. I think in like the seventies and eighties, you know, um, some of those, you know, you just, just using force. It's just not it, research has shown. This is not, um, going to give you the, the benefits that we are looking for because stretching okay. in general is meant to try to lengthen muscle units and, and allow them to be more relaxed. Muscles are kind of like chains in a sense. And so they all have these over the cross link and they get cross links and cross links and get really, really tight. Um, and so stretching is used to kind of fatigue those cross links to allow more elasticity. Um, and so why is this important for our joints when we want our joints to move as well? Because if you think of like really tight rubber bands, it holds things really snug. So you have muscles and tendons, they cross a joint 
And the tighter the rubber band, the tighter the joint is. So take your knee, for example, your, your muscles on the top and below are here. And we have this nice space. We, well, when it's too tight, the joints get tighter. So then they don't want to move as well because they're, they're just too close together. And so we have to stretch and lengthen that tissue to allow more space and fluids. So the joint is more comfortable to move. Hmm. Okay. And okay. ballistic is not... It's because it's it's like a jumping kind of a pounding yeah, way. It's of not stretching. loosening it's just, up. It's it's not it's, it's not beneficial at all. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> so the big the other big words dynamic versus static. So dynamic means movement. Static means obviously that you're not moving. Um, we use dynamic stretching um, with warm ups, whether that's before a workout, before a heavy therapy session. Um, I do in the summer, I do speed and agility clinics, um, at one of the local high schools and we always warm up with dynamic stretching. And so it's just, it's movements and moving through joints as much uh, motion as we can to start raising the body temperature, get the blood flowing to the muscles, um, and preparing our bodies for the stress that we're going to put on them. Um, it means doing a motion, um, with one muscle to stretch the opposite muscle. So we can't, you know, joints have muscles in the front and the back, you know, like take your elbow, for example, your bicep bends your elbow while your tricep straightens it. You can't use both at the same time. So we use dynamic stretches um, to kind of activate one muscle to the end range, which allows a stretch on one side. And then we reverse it as with the reverse motion. Um, so we're trying to activate one to stretch the other. Um, so we're not applying load. We're not using force. We're just using gentle range of motion. Like I said, um, warm, it helps to warm up our bodies so we can incorporate um, things like balance um, and, you know, just different kind of things to prepare the muscles for movement because a lot of times you can't just, you know, and I'm sure people have find sometimes you're like, Oh, I'll just jump on my bike and go. And you jump off the couch and you get on your bike and it's like, Oh, it just doesn't want to go, you know, because we haven't started that blood flow. Um, that's where a lot of times with running, they say, well, walk a little or do a light jog, warm your body up, get the blood flowing to your muscles, um, to allow them to move better. And that's what dynamic stretching does. Can we, uh, I, I have a couple questions there. Yeah. Um, so at, like you said, if you're going to transition into running, maybe walk first. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I'm guilty of this for sure. I often will warm up on my bike. I'll hop on, I'll soft pedal for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Is that sufficient? Is there benefits that I'm missing out on by not also stretching? Well, it depends on what you qualify as like a soft pedal. You know, some people, I mean, you take, if you can, um, you know, that, that is going to help. Sometimes I get, you get to like, if you get to a group ride and you've got like five minutes, you may not always have time to soft pedal, but doing a little bit of stretching after jumping out of the car. So, I mean, things like, you know, just side to side leg swings, heel toe walking, high knee walking, you know, anything like that. Um, sometimes people do mini lunges you know, even just standing marches, just trying to move. So, I mean, a soft pedal is, I mean, you're definitely going into cycling. So that is going to help you kind of warm up and do things like that. But then say you do a little warm up and then you're at a group ride and you got to sit for five minutes. Well, that's a great time to do a little bit more static stuff, but yes, a soft pedal, but it, there again, it depends too on what people need for their own bodies as well. Sometimes people can just jump on and go, um, and with, or soft pedal and things, but, um, we're kind of, you know, it's like thinking, okay, you just crawled out of your tent, you set up camp now. Okay. How are we going to, 
what what other kind of things do we want to go? So that does play a part. Okay. But one area that I feel like I um I started strength training um really consistently like I guess about nine or ten months ago. And I've I've been hit or miss with my warm-ups. Um I know you know, on paper that I'm supposed to be doing them. Um, but, you know, honestly, like if I'm just in a rush, I'll skip my 10, 15 minute warm up and I'll go straight into lifting weights. And that's an area where I feel like I'm guessing stretching is probably even more important. And so maybe you can talk to that. So you're, you're hitting Patrick on one of my soapboxes in general for <laughs> athletics is that I, you know, I help with soft, the local softball teams and the, the basketball teams and things. And we always, it always gets eliminated. Like if somebody's like, I got an hour and a half, what is the one thing? Oh, just stretch on your own at home. You know, mm. that's what happens. And so it really takes a dedicated coach and things because it is important because when I see kids in the clinic and, or individuals, they're like, well, yeah, I know I should stretch. Okay. That's like me saying, I know I shouldn't eat this donut. It's the same yeah. kind of thing. You know, we know we're going to do it, but it's how do we make that conscious decision to do it? Because it is so important. Um, and I've, you know, when people, my, you know, I see people and I, those first couple sessions for me personally, as a therapist in how I practice, I don't jump into strengthening. I make sure people have a good handle on their stretches. And that's, that's routine because we have to create that motion we want to lift. And especially with lifting, you should do a little bit of warm up. you know, just, even if it's just arm swings, leg swings, like I said, it doesn't have to take a lot of time, but just get the blood flowing. You're fine you, that you may be more, but um, get more better benefit from your lifting because you're not wasting those first few repetitions trying to pump blood to your muscles because you've mm. already done that. That's mm. why it's in there. It's on the paper. Do what the paper says. Yes, ma'am. And the other <laughs> thing that I've, I've experienced, um, and I think that, uh, well, I've experienced injury. I've experienced overuse injury and, and probably lifting too much too soon and, and not warming up enough. And so I think, um, that's what I'm excited. And we'll get into, I guess, some breaking down some of, uh, what those actual stretches are, what they look like, mm -hmm. because yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube videos on how to do this exercise correctly, how to do this workout correctly, but I don't watch a lot of strength, uh, stretching videos and, and it isn't like, yeah, something, you know, but it, I do acknowledge it's important and right. I'm going to use this episode as a, as a, uh, a jumping off point to do better. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it is because it's, you know, so let's, you know, if we go into static stretching, which it's that post-workout stretch and and really clinically, we, we find we have, we should hold stretches for 30 to 60 seconds, um, which for some people is like, oh, it's a long time. And so it's the, not the, it's not exciting to stretch, but yeah. I encourage people to use it as that cool down. It helps, you know, calm your heart rate down, um, you know, other things, you know, work on those motions and things like that, because you think you're lifting and lifting and you're shortening and shortening and shortening, trying to build that strength, but you stretch and you can help keep that, you know, that fluid movement. You can keep, it allows the blood flow to um, to flow to areas that were restricted before delivering nutrients, oxygen, it helps remove that metabolic waste, um, stretching and foam rolling after exercise can really help, um, prevent that buildup of lactic acid. I mean, that's going to happen, but if we just, you know, you work out or you ride your bike and then you sit, 
you, you're stiff when you get up. That's because all of that fluid and everything that you've created from your workout is, is settling into the muscles. And then we get more muscle soreness, you know? So like the next day it's like, oh my gosh, I lifted too much. Well, you're not going to have that feeling as much if you can really work to prevent that fluid from building, because um, if we don't move the fluid, that's when we get cramping. That's when we get inflammation and then therefore pain. Um, I also, like I said, it, it's a relaxation in a sense, you know, say you get off, get off a, a, a hard ride or like if I get off my trainer and sometimes it's, it's good to think and take that time to kind of um, reflect on, well, how did my ride go? Was, how does my body feel? Did, could I have done this better? Or could I have, you know, it, it's, some of it is just a mental break as well, you know, and it gives you that little bit of a moment to calm your heart rate down and just get your system relaxed. And here too, it doesn't need to take a lot of time, but it will really help with soreness and just, um, overall maintain mobility. So you said time there, and that's one of my questions. So it's, you know, my perfect routine is that I'll, I'll warm up for 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. I'll, uh, sometimes I really will warm up, I promise, I, but I'm not as consistent as I would like to be. Um, and then I'll work out for an hour. And then what I do is I like turn on the steam in the shower, like only hot, mm -hmm. and I'll go in my like shower area and I, I do like, up to 20, 30 minutes of stretching. And, mm -hmm. and, and what you said hit the nail on the head for me. Like it's, it's meditative, it's relaxing. That's like some me time, you know, like I'm just in the shower stretching and I'm reflecting and maybe getting my mind uh, ready for what I'm going to do that day or, or whatever it is. Um, I think that's super important. So if I understand correctly, uh, you should be stretching before and after your workouts? Well, a little bit of that, what we call that dynamic, that stretching through movement and then the static. So, because sometimes if we go and I'm going to go touch my toes, I just got up off the chair and I'm going to just jump right into an aggressive stretch. Sometimes if the muscles are really tight, the recoil after you come back is, doesn't really gain us the muscle length change that we're trying to see. Um, and so we kind of use those active stretches as a warm up, and then the more slow, like you say, the relaxing longer holds. Um, I know there's a lot of different things out there on online, you know, get a hold 20 seconds, 10 seconds, um, research. I mean, the most, you know, what they're, what we teach in a lot of schools and things like that is, and, and personally too, that 30 to 60 seconds, really allowing your body to relax into a stretch. A stretch shouldn't be something as hard as you can go for 10 seconds because the muscle is, is just like a rubber band. It's just going to recoil right back. Um, so we, we keep it really kind of low load, um, and, and especially for people that are relatively new to stretching, um, I see this in the clinic. If you take a scale, kind of like your pain scale, zero is nothing, 10 is the worst, like I can't hold this stretch. We want to keep it down at the bottom around a two or three, maybe a four. I always tell people just kind of sit and then, okay, you start to feel it. And then, oh, it, it gets better because over time we're seeing that lengthening and then we can add a little bit more. So in that 30 to 60 seconds, you may actually be moving as you're gaining length on that muscle, but the, that low load long time, um, to just fatigue the muscle units to get them to lengthen. Now, what about like, so we're stretching, what, what about like, how long does it matter like what we're targeting and you know so you said you know hold the static for 20 30 seconds something like that 
but how many different static stretches essentially should we be doing or, or about, you know, do they recommend that you stretch for 10, 20 minutes a day? Is there any kind of guideline with that? Um, some of that is that I don't, you know, I mean, I try to hit the big muscle, your big target groups. Um, not everybody has a ton of time. And so for me, like clinically, I try to pick the most relevant things to people kind of for what I'm treating them for or what is most beneficial. I mean, and your big kind of goes for the general population, low back, um, you know, kidding, getting that and keeping that movement. We have so much movement and it takes a lot of stress. You know, our back hand, our backs do a lot. Um, our glutes, you know, and some of those, those gluteal posterior hip muscles, um, our hip flexors are on the front side in through our pelvis and the top part of our quads, you know, kind of keeping you kind of going at that core and then obviously hamstrings, calves, you know, lower extremity kind of stuff. And, and the ones that will kind of go through, um, I've got a couple that can hit on a lot of different areas. Um, and so those are kind of, let's, you know, cause, cause honestly, people, I would love to, myself included, love to stretch for 20 minutes, but I usually give myself about 10. So it's like, what is the big, you know, so kind of hitting some of those major big muscle groups, but also there's a way to pick, you pick stretches that incorporate numerous areas. And would, would you like rotate stretches? I mean, if you got on a routine, just like you're doing, you know, push, pull muscles and leg muscles, um, do you also kind of circulate your stretches so you're targeting different areas or is I, it I just really, based on need? I think some of it, yeah, some of it is need, but on like for people trying to say, what should I do on a daily basis? You really kind of... You know, can hit these big areas and you can hit them every day. You can hit them twice a day. Stretching is different. It's not meant to be fatiguing. It's really not meant to make you sore. So that's one thing too, if people say, well, I stretch, you know, and I get this in the clinic, I stretch, but I, I hurt after I stretch. I'm like, well, then that's when we're looking at, that's where I talk about like, I've transitioned to more of that low load, longer time frame. So we're not getting to that point where like, oh my gosh, I go as hard as I possibly can. And then I just hurt afterwards. Stretching should not hurt when you're done. You should actually feel a little bit better. Um, and then if it, if it does, then we got to kind of delve in a little bit more into, is it hydration? You know, water, we're not going to talk about hydration here, but I want to put my plug in for water is it's huge to keep your bodies hydrated because if you're not getting enough water, your muscles are not going to respond to stretching and strength the way we want them to. And so, and stretching can be more uncomfortable. We're going to get more cramping when we don't, you know, when we have tight muscles and not enough water. And so it's um, huge to make sure you keep your bodies hydrated as well. Yeah, it turns out water is good for us. Yeah, I the don't know. science just keeps coming out on water <laughs> <laughs> for many, many different things. Um, and I know this, this sounds a little gross, but I always tell people because it's like people are like, I got to drink eight cups of water a day. I'm like, well, probably more like 10, but yes. Um, and so, I mean, I work with a lot of population where water was never pushed. Somebody in their 80s, I had an older gentleman, I said, you got to drink eight cups of water. And he looked at me like, that's a lot of water. And I go, I drink four Nalgene's of water a day. And, you know, that's, that's how I know my body stays healthy. Um, and so I always tell people, you got to check your pee. It's really the best and easiest way to make sure that you're hydrated. It should be pale yellow or clear. If it's dark yeah. yellow or, I mean, obviously vitamins do change. My vitamins change that as well. Yeah. But if for the most part, you know, people, you, you, that's the easiest way. And it's all of this that we're talking about today is going to feel even better if we're hydrated. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. So uh, what was that? 
my side note sorry <laughs> oh no no we'll take it we'll, we do tangents here um we already gave our disclaimers so we can say whatever we want now all right we're good uh, um i had one more question on uh stretching perfect yoga um, yeah. I know a lot of people are really big into yoga. Um, mm -hmm. It's something I've recently uh, tried for the, f well, I've dabbled. Anyway, I I, um, I was curious, like, yeah, how does yoga fit into stretching? Does that satisfy that requirement or or would stretching actually be different? And I, No, you know, I think people that do yoga, I mean, because yoga, people that practice yoga, or I mean, there's Tai Chi, there's Qigong, there's so many different aspects. Uh, tai Chi is actually one of my favorites because um, it's that dynamic, it's all dynamic tasks. I know it sounds goofy, but it's actually... I used to practice Tai Chi. Yeah, yeah. I, I've like read about like, uh, like, Eastern religions and I would like do Tai Chi at sunrise and sunset every single day. And actually it was, it was amazing. It's a great habit to be in, but anyway, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, um, no, it's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've, there's so many a good yoga instructor is is really or pilates i mean all of those kind of things are good at adapting things to get to people's um or be in with what people are able to do um and so yes i think that people that can practice yoga every day yes that definitely fulfills some stretching and things like that um, yeah. and a lot of that is is based i mean it's just based off movement and breathing and it's that relaxing and when we talk about like post-workout you know that meditative how is my workout well that's you know that's yoga um and so you know for somebody to say well i do yoga every day but now i have to stretch too it's like well no i mean they're they're very similar but yoga tends to be kind of that dynamic movement into a static but you'll find too when you do yoga my limited experience with yoga um, i will say limited i'm not a very patient person um so sometimes taking a half hour to just sit there is really hard for me. Um, but I, uh, the, when I have done it, it's, you know, even there, they don't just jump in and they don't tell you, well, go as hard as you can. It's all this low load, longer holds, trying to increase that and using our breathing in those techniques. So yeah, yeah. can be very Good. beneficial. All right. Uh, so the other aspect here is strength training, um, mm -hmm. that we've touched on. And I think, I mean, obviously, it depends on our goals, but I, maybe we could tailor this conversation towards just an overall healthy body for an athlete, help avoid injury. Um, maybe you talk about the importance of strength training, the, the role that it, it, it plays. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I mean, I definitely, one of my limits has been in being consistent. I mean, I can get strength once or twice a week, but I'm, my goal this summer is to do it a little more often. Um, because strength just helps us obviously support our joints. Um, uh, strong, stronger bodies do help, um, reduce joint pain and arthritis. There's a lot of research, um, out about arthritis and how do we, you know, kind of prolong surgery. And while it's, it's maintaining strong bones, strong muscles and, and flexibility, uh, light strength training also helps, um, build up that bone mass to help keep our bones strong. Um, I mean, obviously there's genetically, some people are going to, there's always factors that lead to, to bone health. Um, but what we find consistency is, is that strength training at any age, um, is, is beneficial to bone health, bone healing, um, and things like that. So, uh, loads that we don't, you know, people think, oh, I got to go to the gym. I got to, got to get this membership and I don't want to lift heavy weights. Well, you don't necessarily need to, um, 
I, I do have a gym membership, but I use it because I swim. So I swim in the pool. I've never actually spent time in the weight room because I prefer to work um, more with, well, I also work in a clinic where we have a gym, so <laughs> we can do stuff there, but you don't need a lot of equipment. Um, you know, it's just finding those things to incorporate balance and stability. And again, targeting our core, targeting our, the leg and, and the muscles we use a lot of, especially in cycling. Um, you know, any, I think cycling coach is going to tell you, you got to have core strength. You got to be able to move your hips with the bike and yet still maintain your upper body. Um, you know, you got to be able to, the bike, you're in a muddy spot and all of a sudden the bike is sliding down this rut. Well, how do you not fall off? How do you maintain control to, to stay there. That, that's core stability. Um, and so, you know, how do we incorporate that into what we do? Um, it's, it, it puts, puts a different load on. We want to have good form, good technique, um, and things like that to just be able to handle that constant pedaling. I mean, pedaling, you think a bikepacking trip or 144 miles, I can't even tell. I mean, I could, you could probably figure it out, but how many times do you turn a pedal crank in 144 miles? Yeah, no clue. A lot. A lot. <laughs> so, you know, here's the, the other thought too. I mean, people go in and, and we're like, well, do I have to do one rep maxes? Well, we're not looking for that power, that explosion. We're not jumping and counting how high we can jump. We are looking for endurance. So we, I would recommend, I mean, as far as exercises, looking at higher reps and lower weight. And that's where we can do body weight, do 30 to 40 reps and, and kind of cycle through things. The big thing right now is with the boot camps and the high intensity training. And that can be very beneficial. Um, you know, when people are like, well, I only have a half hour, how can I target my heart rate, my cardio and my strength? Well, that's where that high intensity kind of 60 seconds on break 60 seconds can help. Um, but do we all need to be lifting, benching, 65 pounds and squatting 150 or whatever. I don't know what people squat, but you know, we can, how do we incorporate that, um, into keeping our bodies to be able to handle a long load. Cycling is also unilateral in a sense. Yes. We're pedaling with both, but they're not pedaling at the same time. So, um, some of the strength exercises we'll go through incorporate a lot of single leg activities, uh, mm -hmm. because, it, biking is essentially a single leg activity. So it's good to do double legs, but the single leg tasks are, are good for that. Just that over and over opposite pedal stroke and things like that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I never, I never thought about, uh, I've never done that. I, I can't think of a time I've ever done single leg, I guess lunges and reverse lunges are kind of, but you're, I'm not still not isolating that leg. And so right. you know, that's something that I need to incorporate. Yeah. So hopefully I pulled in a couple uh, different ones um, and, and things that, you know, from cycling, but also from like, from running and things like that, you know, um, my, my youngest sister's an ultra runner and um, she will often post and we talk workouts and stuff. And most of her workouts, most of her strength is all single leg because you're running up a mountain. You're not hopping. <laughs> You're not yeah. jumping. Everything is single leg. And so a lot of that kind of stuff is little, I mean, fast footwork, but it's, you know, incorporating. And it also, single leg is hard um, because it takes more stability. It takes more balance. It takes more core control. Right. So we have to incorporate all of those things and we can pick a few good exercises to really kind of target that whole lower extremity. Yeah. I'm wondering, uh, you know, not only for fitness with, you know, stretching and strength training, being in good shape, but do you have any um, information on 
how beneficial it is from a recovery standpoint to essentially start off in a good, you know, with a good, healthy, fit body? Well, yes. I mean, you know, we always, when we look at getting into activity, we all, I mean, in an ideal world from, you know, what I, if I could, you know, we would do an assessment and say, hey, these are areas you need to target. Um, but that that doesn't happen. You know, so it's, it's that gradual kind of how do we prepare? How do we get ready? You know, of somebody who say, well, I, I ride my bike, ride it for 10, 12, 15 miles, but I want to do that 60 mile ride with my friends this summer. Um, so how do we prepare for that? Well, from a cycling or a training standpoint, well, you go out and you ride and then you ride, okay, I did 12 miles. I feel good. Maybe the next time you do 15 and you know, that slowly gradual add up um, the same kind of thing with strength training. You know, you can go out and spend an hour and, oh, I feel great. So I did this, this, this. And then the next two days you walk around, I can't move, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So, you know, we, I always have people start without weight and that's where body weight exercises come in handy because we're, we're lifting our body weight every time we stand up, sit down and go, you know, go up and down the stairs. So our bodies already have a certain amount of innate strength in them. Um, and so how do we just challenge that a little bit more, but, you know, not going gung ho all out right away. We have to just like our cycling, we have to kind of gradually add that up. Um, typically with the strength, like you kind of touched on before is we don't, like to do it every single day. You know, it's good to to do a workout and then take a day off or two days if your body's still sore. Um, strength training, if people can target to go three days a week, you know, that's great. Or it's like, well, I can't do an hour. Okay. Or I can't do 10 exercises. Okay. Well, let's do five one day and five the next. So we're doing little bits, smaller workouts, but consistent. Yeah. Over, over you, a week. Does that answer so your question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I'm wondering, like, if we could even break down, you know, so just if if we as as athletes and cyclists want to have and maintain a healthy body outside of riding bikes um, and, and doing our bike training, can you give an outline of like maybe what you would recommend from, you know, stretching every day, working out? three times a week, five times a week? I mean, is there a, a baseline or something people could, could target and shoot towards? Um, well, kind of like I touched on before, I mean, stretching is a good thing to do every day. Cause like I said to whether we're cycling every day or walking you know, no matter what we're doing, we're still in patterns where we still sit, I sit at a desk all day, you know, how do we reverse and just keep our bodies moving? Um, so stretching is always something that's really great to do. Um, you know, like I said, with the strength training, you know, trying to add that in, if you have a hard bike day, you're like, Oh, I got to go 50 miles, maybe not a day to do your strength training. Um, you know, kind of keep your strength to either you're off the bike or, you know, or days on a shorter ride, if you like to ride every day, um, and try not to compound it with, you know, heavy, heavy bike load and keep it on maybe not even the day before, maybe two days before or the day after, um, you kind of have to, I guess too, you have to listen to what your body says, because everybody is going to respond a little bit differently. What works for me or what works for you may not work for the third person over here. Um, so it's good to, you know, try to be consistent. That's, that's key. Um, and some days it's just like, nope, my body says, I just got to take a day off. Um, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm just going to walk and stretch today, or maybe, Ooh, I'm really sorry. I got to add my stretches in twice a day, you know? So, um, 
stretching each day, strength training three days a week is, is good, if not more, um, you know, four, but there again, it, adding in that rest day based on your schedule um, and cycling in there too, listening to what your, what your body says. And um, you know, but like I said, this last week, I haven't been on my bike a ton in the last couple of months because it's mud season up here. So the roads are <laughs> questionable. The trails are a mess, but you know, rode the last three days and it's like, Oh yeah, I should probably take a day off. Cause the last time mm-hmm. I rode three days in a row was probably last fall, you know? So, um, you know, but that's just with me and my skiing, I ride the trainer through the winter, but not nearly as frequently as people who only cycle. Um, so, you know, that's, that's part of it. Just like we would, I mean, I'm not a, not a cycling coach by any means. Um, I go based on what I know and what research has kind of, or what other, programs have, um, followed, but most strength, most programs for any sport incorporate strength training throughout the week, stretching regularly, and then alternating those heavy and light workouts for your sport specific or specific sport. So speaking of how your body feels and listening to your body, um, like you, it turns out I'm getting older and, um, I'm wondering how age, has an impact in this conversation? Does it become more important to exercise or, you know, work out and stretch regularly? Is it always important? Like how does age factor in this equation? Well, you know, like I said, stretching can always be important. And you, you talk to any high level cyclists or even like these racers on the tour. Well, they have massage therapists and they, and they do they stretch and they know that's part of their recovery, um, even at a high level at a young age. Um, so, yeah, like I said earlier, you know, as we get older, we lose fluid in our bodies. And, and so that's where, too, we see changes in disc height. That's how we get shorter as we get older. Muscles, we lose that elasticity ability or the, you know, the collagen in our skin changes, which makes our skin wrinkle, um, you know, so fluids and healthy diet all help, um, you know, so again, we want to, we want to maintain the motion we have. We want to maintain our bone health. We want strong bones and things like that. Um, and we, you know, we can definitely slow that arthritic process to an extent we can, or help, even if it happens at a certain rate, we can help our joints feel better by keeping them, um, keeping things stretched out. Um, because our tissues get harder to stretch as we get older because of that loss of fluid. Yeah. I mean, I've, as I've started this new like fitness routine or whatever you want to call it, uh, I'm, I'm definitely starting to notice my age as well because I've, I've been in the gym before at an earlier stage in my life, but, um, since I've started up this time and, and it actually speaks to something else you talked about, about, you know, starting slow and, and really building up. Well, I'm a dumb guy. And of course I get in there and I'm trying to lift everything and as hard as I can and grunting and whatever. And, um, I've, I've caused myself some really aggravating injuries. I, I messed up something right here, uh, doing like arm curls and it took me legitimately three months, uh, before it was healed. And right now my left shoulder is just like barking at me. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm realizing, uh, two things, uh, one, well, a few things. I'm getting older, and as I get older, I think my body is feeling the impact of what I'm doing. I can, I have aches and pains that I didn't used to, and so I don't know. For me, I feel like you know the stuff you're talking about. I'm going to really take to heart because 
one of the most frustrating things for me is having an injury. I don't want to be sidelined. You know, if you're, you know, if you're working up to a goal and you're, you're being consistent, as you said, and you're doing good, good, good. And then you have an injury. Well, now you got to take a week off or two weeks off or a month off. Well, that's a huge bummer. That's a reset, you know, in a, in a sense. Yes, it is. And it, you know, cause our bodies respond differently as we get older and they don't respond as quickly. We don't, you know, just the, the physiology behind our bodies change. And so, um, you know, yeah. So sometimes even if you miss a week in the gym at say 40 is much different than missing a week in the gym at 30. But we also have to remember when we jump back into the gym, when you say, Oh, I haven't been here in 10 years. Well, that that's true. So you can't start where you left off, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that's sometimes the, the hard part, you know, um, the, why, people, why is the most common age group for rotator cuff tears men 40 to 60 years old? Because they think they're still as strong. And I don't mean (laughs) any offense to any men in this age group, because you you may feel like you're strong, but you know, when I, I can do this on the weekend, well, yes, the weekend, there's five days in between the weekends. What did you do in that five days to keep your body to be able to lift that 50 pounds of dog food or whatever, pull out a dock, you know, by yourself. Self, um, you know, that's not always something, but, you know, you've touched also on something that makes it, sometimes what I do very difficult. It's that changing of that mindset of people who, well, I know how to lift and this is how I lift. And well, now we're finding the way we lifted is giving us pain. So now what? And that's where like physical therapists, if you, you know, you, you know, excellent therapists, that's, that's their job to help you figure out how do we keep you doing this? How do we, okay, what, what's going on? And what do we do that maybe we need to change um, so that you can get back to there? Um, but yeah, changing mindsets on, on people can be very difficult. So in, in my, let's use me as a case study. I'll use this as a free physical therapy appointment and hopefully other people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like in, in my case, I mean, I, so I, I have an overuse injury. I, I went too hard. I didn't warm up. I did all the things wrong. I'm too old. I messed up in every way. I'm all the things. I'm, I'm your worst enemy. I'm your worst client. Uh, hopefully not really, but. No, I don't uh, think you would be my worst. My worst <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, my. to talk to anyway. <laughs> oh, thanks. My, uh, my, my strategy right now is, uh, you know, essentially rest it. Um, whenever I get, you know, this is a push exercise that's aggravating this start very, very low. I mean, I have as low as like 10 pound, you know, dumbbells that I'll do like dumbbell presses Mm -hmm. with or something to really like start low. And so my thought is, is like essentially rest, start low, try to work back up. And then if I can't resolve the issue, if that doesn't resolve the issue, maybe like then would be a good time for me to go see a physical therapist. So I don't know. Use that as a case study. Yeah. Does, so does I that mean, hold water? It, yeah. So, I mean, yes, we have to rest. The term that I prefer to use over rest, because if you tell somebody to rest, it's like, well, then they don't do anything. Okay. So you take two weeks off and then you want to jump back into it. I like the term relative rest. Um, and so 
what that means is yes, I'm resting from things that are painful, but I'm still doing something. So maybe I can't lift 10 pounds, but okay, I'm just going to back off my weight a little bit. And if I can back off the weight and it doesn't hurt and I'm still able to kind of work through, so we're still challenging the muscles, not to the same extent, but they're still getting stressed, but they're pain-free. So they're resting because they're not taking the same load, but we can still keep you active. You need to, you know, kind of stretch. You think, okay, so a, a dumbbell press. Okay, well, that works a lot of your, your pecs and things like that. So, so maybe you're getting really strong here and it's kind of rotating forward. So then, yeah, you're getting some impingement back here. Well, we need to stretch the front and then strengthen and focus more on the lower part of your shoulder blade to kind of create that balance. So joints are essentially teeter-totters. And when one side is up, the other side then we can have problems. So we're really right. tight and rounded here. It's going to, we need that strength and stability, but we have to create the motion first and then we have to strengthen. So sometimes we have to change our routine a little bit, but you're like, oh, I still want to do my press. Okay, well, do your press, but do it with what's pain-free. Yeah. And then also it may be too limiting motion. So I like to do, you know, obviously, you know, and, and I don't, we're not really to recommend medications and things like that. So that's always a tough conversation with people. Um, you know, I always tell people, well, you could do this, but I'm not going to tell you to take an anti-inflammatory. I yeah. have them kind of, you know, rest as you need kind of, and then we get, we'd get more into the conversation of when is it sore? When does it hurt? Tell me, you know, there's a, you know, anyone that's, um, you know, a, a good physical therapist is really going to delve in to what you're doing. And so, so if you get to that point where, okay, I rested, I'm, I'm working back, but it's still there. It doesn't mean you need to be in six, eight weeks of therapy. Sometimes it's just someone to kind of go through and be like, okay, X, Y, Z, these are the things you should do. And then go from there. Sometimes I see people two three times and they're like, oh, nope, I got this. I'm better, you know, and it's, it's good to go. Um, sometimes it's just asking the questions and knowing, having someone to go to. Um, so you kind of, you do a little rest, you do a little work in that rest period, as long as it's pain-free, let your body recover ice. You know, we can, we can talk a little bit too about ice and heat um, and the differences there and, and gradually add back into that activity. But again, the key is we have to stretch. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about ice and heat. I had another question though, real quick. Okay. Yep. I wanted nope, to ask you about the relationship between your muscles and your joints and your tendons. And, um, yeah, like, are you, you know, it, it feels like to me again, I'm the dummy, so I'll play the dummy and you can play the person that knows what they're talking about. But it feels like to me, like when I'm working out, what I'm trying to do is, is build muscle that like supports my joints and my tendons without overusing and, and stressing out all of those joints and tendons. That's right. just my, I don't know. Does that hold yeah. water? Yeah. So, I mean, cause the muscle, so a tendon connects a muscle to bone. And so tendons are typically the parts that cross the joint. Um, the length is often created is in the muscles. Tendons don't always change, but a lot of the inflammation and that pain with overuse is felt more at the muscle or at the tendon, excuse me, because of the dysfunction in the muscle. Does that make sense so far? Uh, it does. Uh, but what is a dysfunction in the muscle? Like, So I don't like to tell people that they're weak, <laughs> but so like, a, so like it can be like a trigger point, you know, so an overcrossing of the function or of the muscle units can create, can inhibit normal function. So therefore 
dysfunction. You know, I, I try to find ways to explain things that aren't, you know, like detrimental to people. Like if you were to come in and you're like, well, I'm in the weight room and I'm going to do this. And I'm like, oh, you're just weak. How does that make you feel? You're like, no, I'm okay. not. I'm not weak. Right. So you're right. Cause you're not, and then weak. I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. And then I'm going to exactly. do damage, but and I then, can't but tell then, you. <laughs> but then people have already created that thought like, well, this person told me I'm weak, but I do X, Y, and Z. So I, I try to use the muscle, you know, the muscle is just not functioning properly. Is it because it's overly crossed just because it's too tight or is it because it, or is it because it's unstable or just, it needs a little more reeducation, you know, because what they've found too, is when we get those trigger points in muscles is that the neuromuscular connection, there's, there's actually like less chemical crossing between the nerve at the nerve, what we call the, where the nerve and muscle meet the neuromuscular junction. Um, and so, you know, we have to kind of by resetting that trigger point and then stretching through there, because we're not, when we don't get as much signal, the muscle isn't going to act as strong. So you may have all the motor units, but they're not firing the way we want them to. And so I use a lot of, you know, we have to kind of get that muscle to function normally again. Um, and so like, think of say like your hamstrings, you get too much crossing. So the, the muscle got shorter. Well, you don't necessarily always feel it in the muscle belly, but you feel it. Well, oh my gosh, the outside of my knee and the inside of my knee, because it's the tendon is now pulling those bones closer together because the muscle is pulling back further up the leg. Um, and so we have to address that muscle to relieve the tension at the tendon and then therefore relieve the joint pain. I know the answer. The head, the what is it? The leg the bones, bones connected. connected to the knee bone. The it knee is. bones connected. Yeah, it is. You know, it's all and connected. Where, and that's where a lot of our cycling muscles. So our big, you know, your glutes, your hamstrings, your quads, all of your deep hip flexors. A lot of those muscles are what we call two joint muscles. Is so they're connected. They function at the hip and the knee. And so when we look at these stretches we can get a lot of joint motion from these big muscles. And so when a muscle crosses two joints, well, then it gets a little more complicated, you know, and kind of where the pain can be. Is it, is it bursitis at my hip or is it IT band at my knee? And, you know, they're very similar. And so that's where too, it's like, well, I have this chronic kind of naggy knee pain, you know, to see what, um, and it may just be well, because you're weak on this side and you're tight on the inside of your, you know, and so it's just finding our job is to find the balance yeah. in the joints. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about hot and cold. Um, I use both. I will, I'll do like a steam shower and stretch after mm -hmm. my exercises, like I, I said. Um, and then I often like, you know, from like I iced my shoulder last night, whenever I was having this bicep, um, this lower bicep issue, I iced it every single night, but I have no idea if that was the right thing. It's just what I did. So yeah. What, what's yeah. the deal with hot and cold. Yeah. So the, the deal with hot is cold is there's no black and white with hot and cold, in my opinion. Um, you know, so we can, we'll kind of break it down based on like injury. Um, you know, cause a lot of times people like football players, they sit in the ice bath and that kind of helps, um, all the, the kind of pump some of that, uh, cold, you know, constricts the blood vessels and things like that. Um, I personally don't know that I'd be comfortable submerging myself in an ice cold bath, um, but uh, <laughs> I have no desire to do that. I you know, know it's like so, super popular right now, but like, yeah, no, you know, I'm I mean, not interested. And, and, Right. And, and it, it can help. I mean, cause it kind of restricts everything and it doesn't allow too much 
of the that lactic acid but like you said with that steam and that heat and relaxing i mean heat definitely it increases blood flow to the area and so i'll use people because you know people will say well no heat post-surgical only ice only ice well sometimes people's hamstrings are so tight that i'll be like well just put a put some heat on it because we have to get them to relax in order to stretch and then the pain goes away so if we're trying to use it as a relaxation type thing i mean yes then heat is going to be helpful because um, heat increases blood flow, dilates all your blood vessels, helps everything relax, whereas ice tends to be, constrict things. Well, it, not tends, it does um, constrict your vessels um, and kind of limit the blood flow, but it also helps reduce inflammation. You know, So if you're out doing a lot of stuff, using a lot of joints, taking a lot of hits in a football game per se, you get a lot of, there's a lot of inflammation that your body, there's a lot of damage to your body. Um, and so that's where then that ice bath kind of helps just kind of keep all that inflammation from building up. So if we break it down um, from like an injury standpoint um, and we have acute injuries. So sudden onset three to seven days out, or I just got back from the gym and oh man, my, my tennis elbows really kicking up and it didn't hurt before. That's when we want to use ice. So like you say, after a workout that quick, just to kind of help control that inflammation that we've created from what we've done from our injury. Um, cause that inflammatory response is very normal. Um, and so it also helps us kind of maintain the blood and control pain. And so that's where that ice compression and elevation and rest are kind of helpful. So yeah, if you look at it, well, I, I didn't have any shoulder pain before I went in the gym and then I lifted and wow, now it's, you know, kind of aggravated and things. That's when we want to put that ice on. That's an acute, that's a right now it's inflamed. I mean, you could maybe say, well, yeah, I'll just leave it. Well, then you might wake up in the morning pretty darn sore because you let that inflammation sit. And when we have inflammation in a joint or in an injury, we have loss of movement and more pain. So yes, that would be a good time to use that. I, I typically, I mean, like I said, if you're stretching and you're not having aches and pains, yes, then the heat, the steam bath for the heat isn't, you know, you're not having an injury. You're just using the heat to help you relax. That's fine. Um, because some people don't tolerate cold. Um, heat mm -hmm. is usually more comfortable for people. So yeah. that's an acute injury. Then we get into subacute, which is one week to about a month out you know, where it's like, oh, it still kind of hurts. It's better at times, not better. That's where it gets a little more dicey about what is best. And, and unfortunately, the research is we kind of don't always know. I usually kind of rec recommend to people, you know, whatever you need. If you did a hard workout and yep, it's a little irritated, I can tell I did it, put some ice on 20 minutes immediately you know, and then go on. Um, or if it's, you know, you can sometimes two people like with muscle strains or sprains or like tears, we get a lot of bruising and a lot of it will alternate the heat and the ice at that subacute stage. Um, you know, start with the heat and then a minute of ice, two minutes of heat, or, you know, there's different ways to break it down um, or contrast baths is also what it's called used in a lot of hand and foot things. Uh, but what that does is in that creates the dilation, the opening of the blood vessels, and then the constricting. So it kind of creates a pump to help move some of that, that bruising and that damage out um, of the tissues. Um, heat can help with more effective stretching and then ice after workouts for that post-exercise soreness. Um, and then we have chronic injuries. These are the, you know, the greater than six weeks, your, your overuse, I do it over time injuries, and it's just not any better. Um, here, I kind of go, I let people kind of do what feels good um, because same kind of thing. Sometimes it's like, well, it's really sore right now. The ice can help. Um, and 
you know, sometimes it's like, well, it doesn't make any difference. Okay. Well then maybe we need to heat the muscle. So it's, it can be very difficult in that chronic stage when people are like, well, it's still just painful. You know, sometimes that's where therapy can come in and, and look at some of that imbalance, but also, um, kind of help in different techniques that we use to restart that inflammatory response to, because over time that healing process slows. And so we want to, therapy can help kind of make sure it's staying on the right track. Yeah. Well, as with anything that's underlying with anything medical, I feel like, you know, everybody's body's different, like you said, and what everybody needs Mm -hmm. is going to be different. And so it makes a lot of sense. I, you know, and I just wouldn't recommend to people that they just wait and it'll go away. It'll go away because unfortunately, as we do get older, um, it doesn't go away as fast. And the longer we wait for it to go away, it may just be making the problem worse and make it take longer for it to go away. Yeah. So with that being said, like, when would you recommend that somebody seek out a physical therapist? When is, when is the right time to pick up a phone call phone and make a, a call? Well, I mean, uh, like I said earlier, I mean, if a lot of people have, have a therapist that they've seen, I mean, I have people that I've seen numerous times and sometimes they're just like, Oh, what do you think? And you know, if it's somebody I've, I've seen and I've kind of seen him for that similar injury, it's kind of usually easier to do that, but it's like, okay, if it's been six weeks or even a month, you know, it gets kind of towards that month and it's, if there's no change yeah, then you should go see somebody. Um, if you've, you know, you tried, a lot of people try, okay, I tried ice, I tried ibuprofen. Um, you know, the longer you wait, the longer it's going to take for it to recover, you know? So you don't want to, you don't want to miss out on a summer of riding just because you've had a nag and knee for three, four weeks, you know, it's better to get it. I, I always recommend to people, if you're unsure at all, if you have a medical health or a physical therapist or someone that you know or a provider who can easily give you an order or referral, get it checked out. I mean, the best case scenario is we say, hey, you know, here's just a couple things, you know, um, and the, to keep you active versus coming in and be like, well, I have this. And then, oh, by the way, this hurts now. And now I have this side, you know, okay, well, we're looking at a good three, two, three months here to kind of get yeah. all this straightened out. And that's if the person's consistent, you know, um, the sad statistics of physical therapy are that half people aren't compliant with their home programs. So we only give <laughs> people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I mean, and yes, we aren't, there are some cases that are just not going to improve. I mean, I've seen some some pretty tight hips, but it, it, again, it's it, it, the more we can address it. Um, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I fixed everybody I saw. <laughs> um, I bet, I bet I have the tightest hips you've ever seen. I was, uh, I was born with my, uh, my feet were twisted. And so my feet like pointed that way. And I wore braces the first six months of my life to like slowly turn them up. Mm -hmm. I cannot sit like crisscross applesauce. Like you can take all your body weight and put them on my knees. It's just locked. Right. So, So, but then you take, we take that into account, you know, and we look for imbalances and things like that. But, um, you know, even if it's just for a consult, like I said, I, 
I would rather for me personally have people come in with their questions because I always tell people, I mean, no question is, is too dumb. I mean, if you think you're like, well, I can't do this, you know, that's, that's how we delve in. And that's where we really have to, the more information you can give somebody, the better they can make that diagnosis. And it's always tough to start. Um, but if you, you wait, the longer you wait, the harder it is um, to start. Um, and there's a lot of things that go into therapy, um, you know, but I tell people to, you know, I'll give you things to do, but this is really only 10 to 15% of your recovery is 10 to 15% what I do. You come to see me once or up to three times a week, whatever we decide is needed. You spend a lot more time on your own. Um, so, you know, even doctors, they can give you recommendations, but you still have to choose to follow those recommendations um, and things like that. But it's just kind of getting, taking those little kind of naggy things instead of waiting. Well, I've had pain for two years. It's like, okay, well, you know, then it's, it's good to get it checked out. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, I've had people where it's like, okay, we can get them better. And people are like, wow, this just isn't progressing properly. You know, I think you should go back or see the doctor. And it's like, oh, look, it's a tear, you know, um, you know, I always tell people yeah. my MRI vision doesn't work. So <laughs> you can, we kind of have to kind of figure it out as we go. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes. So I think a lot of my audience, fortunately, you know, that desire to go ride is the thing that's going to motivate you to stay on top of it and right. want to heal. Whereas, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, talk crap about any of your clients or anything, but I'm guessing oh. that there's a, a general it is a part of the population <laughs> where like, you just don't have that motivation. It's like, Correct. I don't know, you take a pill or sit on your right. couch. It's like, it doesn't hurt when I'm sitting down on my couch. So, um, right. which is a whole nother conversation. I'm yeah. Guessing. So, I mean, you know, and the other thing too, is like people that ride a lot and it's like, Oh, I just kind of got this nag that just isn't going away, but so I'm going to try, you know, we try some of the stretches or a little bit of strengthening and it's either going to get better. It's going to stay the same or it's going to kind of get worse. Um, but there, you know, you kind of, how long do you wait? I mean, everybody's different. I personally don't like, I like to be out of the saddle for too long. Um, yeah. kind of messes with my head. Um, you know, it's like, ah, I just want to get back. And so I don't like to keep myself, you know, so ask, but ask those questions, you know, and, and it is hard because healthcare is expensive these days and, and limited in some access in areas and things like that. But, um, there are resources, you know, and things like that. And, but it's like, okay, well, I've tried this, I've tried that I've tried. Well, then you should probably have it looked at whether it's by a, a, some sort of um, MD yeah. or PA and, and get a referral. Um, I mean, I've had people I've seen and they're like, well, this just kind of hurts. I'm like, well, go to your primary care because some insurances and in some states, it's, it can be different state to state where people could go directly to physical therapists. And it depends too. I mean, types of pain and things like that. But, you know, it, I, I don't like people to mess around with stuff for a long time. I like to keep people moving. So, um, you know, you're going to spend less money if you go in right away and get a few things to do it, then wait six months and then you're there for two months. Yeah. I mean, what I was thinking is if you're sitting on a five or $10,000 bike, give me a break, you know, like your body, you get one body, um, you, we, and, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself, listen, I'm calling myself out because, I, you know, I waited until I was later in life. And, and now that I'm getting older, it's like, I really want to be on top of my health, my sleeping, my nutrition, my fitness. Like, I'm like, I want to use this body for a long time and I need to start taking care of it now. I wish I started better 10 years ago, but, um, but yeah, like, 
let's invest in our bodies. They are the vehicles. They are the most important thing. And if, yeah, we're sitting on some, you know, we've talked about how expensive these sports can be. Like, you know, let's, I think we can siphon off a little bit of that money probably for our health and well-being. And, and, and ultimately, like we've kind of touched on, it really will, at the end of the day, equal like mental health, happiness. If you can do the yes. things that you want to do and not live in pain, you're going to be a happier person, you know? And so I think, yeah, it's just all the way around an important thing. Well, uh, let's, let's transition into some stretching then. I thought, sure. I thought a good format for the stretching would be like, maybe we could, you could show some like, uh, you know, daily slash before, uh, pre-ride stretches, um, maybe like you pull over on the side of the road and you're in the middle of a 10 hour ride and you want to stretch out some things mm -hmm. and, and then some post ride stretches. So I don't know if that'd be a good way to break it yeah. out. Yeah, okay. we can definitely uh, do a little, little bit of that. I do have my um, my gravel bike, so I'm going to show a little cool. bit. So we're on the side of the road, um, you know, some easy kind of ways to stretch some tight muscles um, at the bike. Um, and then we can do some some more static stuff for like at home. Um, I can show you some of, some of my favorite things that I like to do. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and, and we can uh, kind of go from there. So let's do it. Okay. So let's, um, I tried to clean it. The morals are really muddy around this <laughs> time of year. So, um, so we just got off our bike and it's like, oh man, my back's a little sore. You know, we spend a lot of time here, um, you know, in that forward position. So, you know, kind of even just, um, bracing kind of our hips and just kind of arching back to kind of reverse that curve. Um, this one gets a lot of people because we, we do spend a lot of time here seated and riding. And so it can be really, you know, we really have to make sure you take your time and you're just kind of just slowly easing into that extension to just kind of, you know, and I like to have people support their pelvis, um, just so you can really kind of isolate right at that belt line. Um, so, I mean, and people will do it, but my favorite kind of turn the bike to the side here, you know, and so, yes, we, like I said, now on the, con we just, we spend a lot of time here, but our hamstrings get really tight. So one of my favorite stretches during a ride, post-ride, and I use this in the clinic all the time for shoulder patients, back patients, hip patients, is you kind of, you start close to your bike, you kind of hold the bike, you walk your feet backwards. And as you do, you're sticking your tush out and you're just kind of leaning back this way. So we're getting our arms, we're getting our lats, our low back, um, glutes and hamstrings, you know, and so your hips are back. If we, you know, we're not here, we're not doing push-ups or planks, we're trying to see so how he's going to kind of keep your feet forward and then your butt goes back. Um, so then you can also, you know, sometimes I'll have people from this side here, you bring your feet a little wider and you kind of come back, but then you go off, you can kind of switch sides, you know, bend one knee to get a little bit more of our inner thigh. And it's just good to have something to balance on at our bike, you know, cause you think too, we're, we're cycling a lot. There's a lot of you know, we're not riding with our knees out. So sometimes, you know, if we're trying to get into the wind, we get a lot of tightness through our adductors trying to pull our bodies into that arrow position, you know, so standing a little wider and to get that stretch through here is just really, really helpful. And you can do them, you know, kind of just nice, again, nice and slow um, and things like that. Um, one of my favorites is, I'm not quite sure which angle to 
is you kind of stand, you're going to put, well, do this foot, put, put your foot up kind of like in this mm. figure four position. I'll do it with one yeah. hand, but you can also do it with two. So, and then this is actually kind of a yoga position, um, but not everybody can balance like that. So having that bike kind of <laughs> next to you or in front of you, but this one's really good. Cause again, it gets that inner thigh and really kind of gets at some of those glutes and, you know, piriformis glute mead, a lot of that kind of stuff. Also challenging that single leg balance. And then you can so go are these, and, um, are these more dynamic where you're like, so this would be more, this is a static a static okay, kind so of stretch. Okay, so you're moving into a static so, position and you're holding yep, it so, for 20 to 30 seconds. Yep, and you just kind of would hold as, as you can, as you kind of balance and stabilize here. And it's actually gotcha. a pretty stable position um, because your nose is forward and your butt is back. So my center of gravity is still pretty well located. But yes, these particular stretches, you probably want to hold for a longer period of time because again, we're doing them post-ride. And so that's when we want to get into that, you know, this position and just kind of exhale and allow our bodies to kind of stretch. Um, you can tuck your, you can squeeze your butt cheeks, kind of do a little bit of that almost cat cow position, you know, so you're arching through your back and then you arch down, kind of get a little bit of your pelvic, you know, that pelvic rotation, um, as well. Yeah, that's yoga. I know what that is. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, and well, like we talked earlier too, that, that, that yoga, I mean, all of these positions are, are very important. Um, you know, you're here and you want to add a little more. Well, just bring your hands down a little bit more to add, isolate your hamstrings. So hamstrings get tight, calves get tight. Um, you know, some people can't always touch the floor. That's why it's nice to add the arms in this way. I can still feel it the same in my hamstrings, but I'm still also getting my shoulders and my lats a little stretched out too, right. because I've been riding all day with them right here. Yeah. I think um, that's great to open up the arms like that as a cyclist. Cause you're just, yeah. Yeah. Stretching yeah, it out. You know, and even, you know, kind of this stuff, you know, where mm -hmm. you have your arms, you know, or bring your arms up and you just kind of squeeze down and back because again, our pecs, we're here. And so how do we, you know, reaching back to open up the chest in the opposite direction, we're kind of just pulling our elbows down to stretch through that rotation, you know, kind of finding that way to do that. Um, and then, you know, leaning to your calf, you know, that calf stretch, because our calves do get tight, um, you know, with the knee straight, we'll get the gastroc and then we bring it in and we bend both knees to get a little more at the soleus. So oh, weird. Are, what was that move you did there where you squatted? So, this, so, you know, this is the, this is the standard, you know, your gastroc stretch, right. okay. Cause your gastroc muscle crosses your ankle and your knee, but there's a muscle underneath it called your soleus, which does not cross your knee. So we bend the knee to put oh. the gastroc on slack and just stretch the deeper muscle. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I've never so, seen that one. <laughs> yeah, it's an often a, a forgotten muscle, you know, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, I stand and I, I put my feet up on my, my curb or on my pedal, you know, that's kind of another way to get that calf stretched. Um, and then, but yeah, so those are important. And you have your very, you know, your simple standing quad stretch, um, you know, to really because we again, now with this one, I'm gonna show it from the side too if your knees allow, you know, we, it's not a here, you know, Oh, I don't feel it. Well, it's, you kind of got to tuck your tailbone or tuck your squeeze your butt cheeks to tuck your tailbone straight down at the ground, because what that's going to do is help you get a little bit more into the deep hip flexors at the inside of your pelvis pelvis. 
Um, so that's a good one. And then you can also, to get back into those pelvis muscles, kind of in that calf stretch position. But now I'm going to squeeze my butt cheeks, point my tailbone down, and now I can feel it even more stretch through the front mm. of the hip. If I want more, here again, now we really kind of reaching up, turning away. So from the front, you know, we're here to really open up those hips. Okay. Okay. Because as cyclists, we really, we spend a lot of time here. And so the yeah. muscles just get really, really tight. So, cool. so those are kind of some easier or beneficial ways. And all I, you know, for balance, you use your bike. Yes, you can, many people can probably do them without their bike, but, you know, just kind of nice little quick, easy ones to reverse that because it's like, well, hey, I got 140 miles I'm going to do. How do I keep myself pedaling that far? Okay. Perfect. Um, so that's with the bike. Um, and now we'll look at, um, move my computer back a little bit further. We'll do, oops, I got to grab my foam roller. Oh yeah. Bring out the foam roller. Wow. I have a foam roller. I don't know how to use it. Well, oh <laughs> yeah, I really don't know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing with it, but everything I do hurts. I know that. <laughs> Well, so foam rollers are awesome for moving fluid. Um, I will tell you the first time I rolled my quads, I had tears in my eyes. They hurt so bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I tell you, they don't, I don't cry anymore. Um, Good. So I will show you a couple of mine favorites that I use like post ride um, and things like that. Um, the other fun thing about the, the foam roller is you do a lot of eccentric strengthening. So it actually is really kind of good for your core and like your triceps because you have to hold your body up. So, um, just sort of my other little plug. Okay. So, you know, we're here. I mean, real quick, uh, yeah. I know that it's eccentric and concentric, but I don't remember what those two mean. And so for other people out there that forgot, can you remind oh, yeah, me? Yeah, sorry. Um, so con, so they're the two different types of muscle contractions. Concentric is like our power phase. It's, um, the shortening of a muscle. So like when we jump, you know, that's that power that they go up the stairs, our quads get shorter to help push us up the stairs. Whereas eccentric is a controlled lengthening of the muscle. Mm -hmm. So when we come down the stairs, the muscles have to control, they have to get longer in a controlled fashion. So we don't fall down because we're fighting gravity. Um, and so that's where a lot of times people are like, well, I have more pain in my knees going down the stairs. Well, one, because of the mechanics of it, it's a lot more force on the kneecap. But if we can't, don't have the strength to control that lengthening, we're going to have pain. All right. So, but Thank like you. now let's take this position here. My, my triceps are going to work to kind of hold. So we're going to roll our hamstrings. Mm -hmm. And this is where you get a little bit of core work too. So, cause you're rolling, you're pushing forward all the way to your sit bone and then you're rolling back, but you gotta, I mean, my butt's hovering about an inch or so off the ground, but you yeah. need that core to kind of keep it there. And so I tend to tip, I kind of show you a little bit about what I, my favorite muscle groups to do after a ride, um, hamstrings, obviously slide it down towards my, or below my knee down or towards the ankle. You get your calves. Now, the fun thing with the calves is you don't always, you don't have to do it with just your toes up. If you turn to the side, you'll uh, find you'll yeah. get, then you can get a little bit of your, the muscles on the outside of your lower leg, and then you can kind of roll them to the inside and get, you'll notice it'll feel different. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, then also, so let's think of the ones here on your back. So those, and then kind of getting at your glutes, 
you can get in that figure four posture and kind of roll right across. And you got a lot of muscles in your hips that do a lot of different things. You can kind of roll side to side. And this also helps kind of, you just kind of go find those sorenesses or sore spots. The only thing that I don't ever recommend people do is put the roller underneath their lumbar spine at their belt and arch backwards. It's just not the most healthy thing for our spine. Um, now, I mean, you did say that you, I think, teared up the first time you tried this. I've, you know, my experience with foam rollers are that they're fairly painful. Can you articulate like what level of pain is acceptable here? It's kind of a tolerate. You know, I kind of was like, well, I know I have to do this, so I'm going to do it. There are different densities of rollers that you can get. So some that are softer. I don't know how people can use the hard plastic ones with the knobs and bumps all over the place. Oh God, I find yeah. My body. And some of it's just some bodies are more sensitive, sensitive to different rolling and things like that. So like, okay. um, let's take like the it band for saying, you know, people all say, okay, well, we'll roll on it. Well, okay. I can go this far and it doesn't hurt. Okay. Then just go that far. You know, even with your stretching, you know, start small. And then as you find you're creating that deformation and that stretching in the tissue, well, Oh, now I can go a little further and it doesn't hurt. You know, when okay. my quads are really, or my muscles are really sore, there's a lot more lactic acid built up in them. So yeah, they're going to hurt more because I'm basically trying to force that fluid out. Okay. If you can't tolerate the foam roller, I recommend people take like a rolling pin and start there because then uh, you can grade how much pressure you apply to those muscles. Plus, okay? I think it's so like good if, information that there's different, like there's softer and harder yeah. ones, which I didn't realize. So that's yes, probably good there for are, people and you to know. know. You, you, you go and, and just it, the density sometimes like, oh, I like this color. Well, the colors mean different things with different brands. Ah, so like this one here, you can do your quads. And here too, you do them with your, your knees kind of pointing out to get a little more on the inside. Do the tops because you've got four muscles in there to get, you know. Um, so you kind of have to play around with that position. You can do a knee straight with the muscle a little more slack. You bend your knee, you're putting a little more stretch through some of those muscles that might feel a little bit different. Um, and then our anterior tip. So we kind of get down. So we're at our ankle or our knees, either one. And you just kind of roll in to get the muscles on the front of the shin, which isn't Whoa. as big of a deal. I don't find as much soreness there with cycling as I do with per se running. Yeah, running, um, I could see that. But yep. and then but we, we got that. a lot of hike a bike sometimes in some of these bikepacking <laughs> events. So you never know. I know. So that's what I'm nervous about because... I like to, I don't like to get off my bike. Yeah. So well, most, experience. it just depends on if you're doing like some gnarly single track or not, but yeah, um, yeah. It anyway. should be an adventure. So I'll show you one more stretch that I, okay. um, I mean, well, there's a couple more, but, um, so I like to put it at my sacrum and I like to, oops, sorry, got to hug one leg and just, so this really gets deep into those hip flexors and this one just you just kind of I always think of like lengthening the leg and then you just slowly kind of switch and just now again, what is your sacrum breathing. is that your tailbone so your sacrum no your tailbone your sacrum is right between your hip bones so okay. if you find your belt and then you come yep. down a little bit it's the bone between your pelvis bones okay, okay. Um, it's a solid one you don't want to put it at that belt line you have you know that's your that part of right, your spine is very mobile. Yeah. So the yeah. sacrum, you know, kind of right above your sit bone I feel is, is kind of where we're at. Okay. I feel with okay. that. Um, and then the other one, a little more tricky to do, but 
um, you know, kind of getting at that inner thigh. Cause again, you know, we're constantly pulling our knees in. Okay. So those are kind of the fun ones. Other important static stretches that I have on my list that I think, um, well, we've kind of talked a little bit, this one's a little more dynamic, but for people that aren't as familiar with kind of that cat cow, where you kind of drop your pelvis and then you really arch up through your whole back. Oh yeah. And then coming down. Um, that one feels so good. Yeah. So kind of getting, um, you put one leg kind of across, kind of take, and you can kind of rotate and it's hard to pick a side here. I'm going to kind of hold <laughs> here and I'm going to rotate. So I'm getting my trunk, a little bit of my TFL glutes, you know, kind of just trying to get that rotational stretch, um, to stretch through your hip. Um, other good ones, uh, you know, we recommend, you know, kind of that extension, you know, going from a prone on elbows because some people's backs are not going to be as mobile as, as mine. And mine is not as mobile as other people's. So sometimes even just resting on your elbows and trying to let your, let your back just relax into that position. If that's like, well, I don't feel anything. Well, then you kind of come into that, what's called the, the, like the Cobra pro pose now. And I, I'm a little stiff, so I am, you know, it's really kind of hard for me to come all the way up. Well, you so got to warm up. Kinda, you yeah. got to warm up. I know, you know we've been sitting here too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, in general, when I do this, it just doesn't, yeah. you know, that's my own um, fault. But yeah, just kind of giving it a little more, you know, kind of easing up and you kind of can grade how much pressure you put. But this, you know, does get at that hip flexor, but also that reverse curve there. Yeah. Um. I know, like I said, I mean, this is, you know, that child's pose, you know, sometimes people do the Cobra mm. and that's a good stretch, but then they like to go right into kind of that child's pose Yeah, where you sit back and people, you can kind of walk your hands one way to kind of get, or go the other way. They really kind of get more through here and just kind of change the, add a little bit different stretch to some of those. If you're already on the floor, an easy kind of hamstring stretch is just here or holding it, you know, sometimes it's here. And I had somebody the other day who was here, believe it or not, you know, so, um, <laughs> you know, coming up. I can't to believe the, it. Cause that's about where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so just kind of coming up to that gentle hold. Sometimes people will use a belt or a strap around the foot right? Um, to give you a little more pull there. I found um, that for me, that's can, extremely helpful. That, that strap or yeah. rope. Um, I like yep, that. Yeah. So, cause then that will allow you, um, yeah, I'm so not flexible. So I use all the aids. Right. So then there you can, is. you can kind of keep your, your knee straight and you can kind of pull to kind of wherever you need to. And yeah. it allows, and, and the goal is to allow the leg to be relaxed. If you're up there and it's just a shaking like crazy, <laughs> it means you're holding and you're not relaxing, you know? So trying to get, you know, especially with this one, people are like, Oh, and I'm like, okay, nope. You gotta just, you gotta try to relax again, relaxing into those stretches. Yeah. And then last, I mean, another, just another kind of easy calf stretch and for this, you know, and then you can bend the knee as well. Oh, I've never seen that one either. Yeah. Oh, interesting. This Super is fun. one I recently found. Um, and I found it when I had a student and, you know, it's for adductors, but also for pelvic floor. And I said, oh, I just found this new stretch and I was all excited about it. And I showed it to her. She goes, oh yeah, I know that one. And I was like, oh, 
thanks for bursting <laughs> my bubble. Um, <laughs> but you know, we get a lot of inside, a lot of inside knee pain from tightness through here. And so we're kind of here and we're just going to kind of sit back into that stretch. So that's oh, what yeah. it looks like from the front and kind of come up. But if we're from the side, so I'm here on all fours and I'm just going to kind of sit back to really feel that pull through that inner thigh. It's almost like a child's pose with your it, leg it extended is. out it, to the side. Yep. But you know, it's, it's really going to target those adductors and, and that yeah, pelvic instead of the floor. Back. Yeah. yeah. Um, strong and healthy pelvic floor allows us to hold our pee longer on the cycling. <laughs> that, <laughs> really? That's my own claim. I don't know. I just made that up, <laughs> but it does. I mean, strong pelvic floor helps with yeah, makes sense. all that kind of stuff. So, and then one of the favorite piriformis stretches is this figure four. So you're here and you're kind of coming up. Um, you know, some people like to hug their knees. We're sometimes taking that knee and drawing it towards the opposite shoulder. Like I said, we have a lot of glute muscles and some do one rotation and some do another rotation. So we have to really play around with that position um, and make sure we're not getting too much tightness in the front or pinching in the front. But yeah, awesome. so I mean, it, you know, I know we went through those kind of quickly, but you know, that's kind of the big major muscle groups that we want to target um, from like a cycling standpoint. I can't wait. I'm going to go try them as soon as we get off here. I'm like, <laughs> I've been waiting for this all day long. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to do some stretching. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and like I said, I mean, foam roll. I love my foam roller, and you know that kind of stuff, and just you know, you can get you get in and. Um, you know, here too, we talked about chest expansion, you know, kind of doing a thoracic. So here I'm at about my shoulder blade level, you know, that kind of stuff. A lot of people like it when our necks get really stiff, kind of do get it right at the base of your skull and going side to side, you know, to kind of get at some of those. Um, the one I probably, the other one I use most frequently. So I have, again, my, my tail all the way to my head and just doing snow angels to really stretch all oh. the way through all of these muscles and gets at my pecs as well. Yeah. Usually kind of crunches the first few times I do it, but um, it's a cool tool to use. Um, and a lot of people have them and don't know how to use them or don't use them. So, yeah, yeah. that's been me. Um, I'm excited to go try some. Actually, I know it's going to hurt, um, but I'm excited by how good I'm going to feel afterwards. Well, right. Um, you know, I mean, I even just in this little bit, you know, I can tell I've been, well, I've been sitting more today or things like that and, and just how much looser and we're moving fluids. Um, you know, this is, sounds goofy, but you know, the, I noticed personally the appearance of like cellulite, you know, it gets that real dimply kind of thing. Well, when we keep the fluid from building up in our tissues, it doesn't appear as much, um, oh. you know, and, and it actually it changes it. And it's a toning in a sense, because we're just moving excessive fluids throughout our body um, and just, you know, trying to keep things mobile. Uh, so I'm excited to go give it a shot. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm really happy. I, we covered everything that I wanted to cover. I think this has been like great information. Um, I've learned a lot and I really appreciate it. 
Is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't before you go stretch your vocal cords? <laughs> um, no, I mean, the only thing we didn't go through really is kind of some of the strength stuff, but you know, that's pretty easy. And, and if you, you know, if it comes up in a different one, we can always just, you can always plug it into yeah. something else too. I um, feel like the strength one, like, I don't know. I know there's right ways to do every workout, There are, right? and you know, to be honest, when you do a Google search, you can find videos and all kinds of stuff and all of the stuff that I've looked through. Cause I do, you know, it's like, what are people seeing out there? Um, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of it is, is very well done. So that's definitely yeah. something that's, that's the thing is I feel easy like th- to do. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree. I wanted to focus on the stretching because mm-hmm. like I said, at the beginning, I'll watch a million YouTube videos on how to do the workout and the exercise, right. But whenever it comes to stretching, it's overlooked. And I feel like that's probably the area where like, like, well, and you said the same thing, they always skip stretching. And so it's like, I yeah. feel like that's the thing no, that I, most people are missing out on. I do agree. I do agree big time. Um, and just not with cycling, but with many, many, just our lifestyles. It's like, if we can cut corners somewhere, we're going to, you know, stretching from a workout is usually what happens. But again, it's, you know, we have to pick why we're cutting those corners. You know, I looked at it this way a number of years ago. This is why I got rid of cable because I was just like, okay, I just spent 10 minutes and I'm not watching anything. And I've just surfed through every single channel twice. I could have done 10 minutes of stretching instead of sitting here on the couch. So sometimes it's about making those choices to find those 10 minutes or five minutes to plug it into our day um, and and just, and do it, you know? um, So, and then the big point too, with the, like I said, with the strength is really challenging more single leg stuff, you know, single leg squats, single leg deadlift, single leg, you know, I have an 18 inch, oops, on the side, um, 18 inch step, you know, just that, you know, taking, here it is, taking that weight and just coming up, you know, just all that kind of single leg stuff is just uber important. Yeah. And start slow when you are weight training. And especially if you're old like me, Um, (laughs) but just start slow. Honestly, like, like you said, it's all the stretching, all the exercises and even bikepacking in general, like don't bite off a whole bunch, like start small, you know? Right. And, and ask for help. Most, you know, if you're at a gym, there's usually a trainer. And unless you're at some gym where you can't talk to the trainer, unless you pay for them, most of them are willing to ask, answer questions here or there because they don't want to see you get hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, and a good trainer, if they don't know the answer, they'll find it for you. So awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Maria. I yeah. think this has been wonderful. I'm excited to get this out to everybody. And um, yeah, we'll leave your contact information in the show notes. So if people do want to reach out mm-hmm. to you and you're in the Wausau, uh, Wisconsin uh, area. It's Wausau. Oh my gosh, I heck? did it again. <laughs> Fuck. I know. I was like, where the heck is Wausau? Y'all are going to murder me the next time I come visit. It's Wausau, people. Get it right. Oh, my God. Anyway, my bad. Um, yes, that's correct. Obviously, uh, everybody knows that. But I'm, I yes. may be going to be up there um, in uh, this fall for the Midwest Bikepacking Summit. So Yeah, maybe. you know, I'm, I, yeah, that's a kid weekend for me, but we were hoping to kind of take part in that at some point. Um, yeah, but if it's okay, I'm going to give you, can I give you my my work email instead of my personal one? Oh, of course. To put yeah. in there. I would rather yeah. they <clears throat> use that. And then I can yeah. put all my professional signature. Um, do you want me to just tell it to you or do you want me to email it to you? Just send it to me. 
Okay. Um, yeah. And I'll put it in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow up with you and maybe come see you in Wausau. And, I, well, uh, I'm in Wisconsin Rapids, not Wausau. Oh, you are? <laughs> I'm in Wisconsin Rapids, yeah. So Wausau is about Real an hour funny. north. But we have a, there are wonderful clinics throughout our area and things like that. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mary. I well, really appreciate you. it. Yeah. Have fun singing. Fun. Oh, I will. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah, I'll send that to you. Maybe not now, but a little later. So. Oh yeah. Sounds right. good. No rush. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you found it fun, informative, and helpful, or at least two out of those three. Two out of three is good, I think, right? All right, everyone. Like I mentioned uh, at the beginning of today's episode, I've already started to put into practice mostly the stretching and the warm-up uh, practices that we discussed in today's episode. And I can already tell you that it has made a world of difference. I have been dealing with injury after injury after injury, it feels like in the past year, nothing major, but it's just been like one nagging thing after another. And it really started to kind of bum me out. Partly because I realized, uh, I guess I'm getting a little bit older and now I got to deal with this kind of crap, which which sucks. I don't want to deal with it, but life is life and here we go. So um, the good news is there's something I can do about it. I can stretch. I can warm up. I can do yoga um, and I can start slow. Um, and so when I've been hitting the weights, uh, I'm doing a good full stretch and getting nice and loose and i'm warming up slowly starting with very low weight and moving up from there and i genuinely can tell a huge difference in just how i feel how much stronger i feel and it's not just about strength but it's about feeling strong because i don't have these like nagging parts of my joints and my shoulder and my elbow and stuff that are like hey 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 i'm not ready um, that's what my body's been telling me. I'm not ready. And my brain is like, yeah, you are. We're going to do it anyway. Tough it up. Um, but apparently it doesn't work too well, at least uh, whenever you get into your 40s, or at least for me. So uh, anyway, again, uh, thank you to Maria. I have personally benefited already from the information that we discussed in this episode. And I think that you will too if you give it a shot. And I think that's about it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you appreciate these episodes, maybe consider supporting this show over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. And of course, another great way to support this work is to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and maybe tell a friend. Until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke, stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless, your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Bikes.